Welcome back. Welcome back. Starting five podcast on SB Nation Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm the one P Sharp with one of the starters. This your guy Trevor, uh, also known as the Quarter Man, also known as the Double Dribble Glitch. Uh, so what's going on, everybody? <laughs> so today we have to go with some three man action. So we have a guest, uh, our very own senior staff writer and host of the Three and D podcast on Grizzly Bear Blues as well, and Justin Lewis. What's up, guys? I don't have a lot of cool nicknames like you guys do, so uh, <laughs> it's just me. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, y'all haven't checked out the 3D podcast for this past week. Um, I had the pleasure to be on with Justin as well, doing our fantasy draft of Greasy all-time Greasy players, including Vancouver and Memphis. So, kudos to y'all. y'all. You guys had a, a wonderful draft. I will say, well, each both you guys each. So, good job. So. Hey, thank you. Um, as for the guys, man, uh, you know, uh, travel mercy for Sheedy and Skyler as they are in traveling to Dallas for a wedding this weekend. That's the reason they're not on. And travel mercy to Tev Shakir as he is, he just moved to Phoenix, Arizona from Memphis. So he's trying to get acquainted with his new living situation. Yeah. Hmm. But first up for today, we're going to talk about the NBA. We have a now we have an official start date. The players union agreed to start the season on December 22nd this past week. Um, so I guess what are your thoughts on them starting the season so early? Well, I'll, I'll take this since start. Uh, for one, I was not a fan of the December 22nd restart date, uh, seeing as though that the NBA Finals just concluded uh, a little, almost just a little over a month ago. I feel that the Martin Luther King Day uh, start of January 18th, I think, was more suited. Granted, knowing the front offices of the NBA, knowing the owners and everything, they're going to want their stars, they're going to want everyone out there, especially with the Heat and the Lakers. Like I said, just a little over a month ago, just coming, just finished playing the NBA Finals. Granted, we have another 28 teams that probably hasn't played the game since March. I completely understand that. However, I get that the Christmas Day games is usually the biggest games of the year. I also understand that, of course, this plays a role in it as far as everyone's salaries and things of that nature. Um, Again, I'm not a big fan of it, but again, I'm also excited because we're getting NBA basketball back just as quick as we lost it. So that's my whole take on it to start. Yeah, for me, um, I would have preferred the MLK Day start myself um, to give these guys a little bit more rest and get the front offices time to figure out things they want to do. But I think what Silver is trying to do is see what it would be like going forward with a Christmas start. Um, Because I think they're really considering making that a permanent thing because – if they go deeper into the summer, their only competition is baseball. And they're going to win on the ratings all day long against baseball. Um, As far as not enough rest in between the finals and uh, the restart, you also had three or four months off um, during the pandemic. So, like, you've got some rest in there. 
Um, now I get it. Some of the older players aren't going to be able to just recover like that uh, in a month. And your star of your league is one of those older players, but he's also a freak of nature. So um, I, I don't see it being a that big of a deal that they I mean, load management management's already a thing. So we're going to see it. It's going to happen um, whether LeBron actually sits out. I don't think he will. There'll be pressure on him from the league to to at least play the home games and play the national TV games. I think it's a fine start. Uh, again, I would prefer to MLK, but I would like to also see what Silver's looking at. How successful would a season be going from a Christmas start date rather than a Halloween start date? Yeah. Uh, just to go off y'all sentiments, I feel really the same way. I as he got closer, I preferred the MLK start due to them, them just, you know, got done playing. But like Justin just said, they had four months off. I mean, you had four months off in the middle of the season, literally. And you have, he said, eight teams, like Trevor uh, said, you had eight teams that you haven't played since like March. So, in that sense, I do like the Christmas Day. I did want the Christmas Day start originally until. The season took so long to actually finish. But I think December 22nd is fine, especially money-wise. They were going to lose a lot of money if they started on MLK Day. That was part of the reason that December 22nd got pushed. Uh, even player salaries were going to be lost. I think I heard something about Steph Curry. You know, he gets paid like 40-something million this season. If they started on MLK Day, it was going to be like 23 million. That's, that's a lot of money for one month. So, um, also they're going to play those games. I think they went for seventy. They're going to play seventy-two. It was going to be fifty if they started a month later because they're trying to finish before the Olympics in July. So I think I understand all parties. Uh, I understand the players being against it, but also conceding the end to go ahead and saying, "Hey, we just going we just gonna be playing December twenty-second. So. But are we gonna have the Olympics? That's another. That's another. That's another. Yeah, another question. A, that, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why they had the uh, start for December twenty second because they want to finish up this upcoming season in time for the Olympics. But there hasn't been any updates on the whether we're still going to have the Olympics or not. So that's something we really, really want to pay yeah. attention to yeah. as well. And to Justice's point, as for as uh, having a potential season starting on Christmas, I, I honestly feel that's a great idea because nobody really really starts paying attention to the NBA until uh, the Christmas Day games. Now, what does this mean for the All-Star game, which normally is two months shortly after Christmas or a little less than that? Uh, who knows? And I think just having that Christmas Day start kind of lets – football and baseball kind of shine in those October, November months, especially with the ratings that we've had uh, just this past few months with the World Series and everything. And, of course, usually ratings go up a lot during the playoffs for baseball. So, um, as Justin said, I'm interested to see how Adam Silver is going to have this play out because we could be transitioning to a Christmas Day start and a shortened season, which I also have been in favor for. Um, so the 72 game season may not only just be the test for this year, but it could be the permanent going forward. So, stay tuned. Yep, yep. So let's go dive into the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, well, first off, the Grizzlies, since we know the start date, um, did they ever give a timetable on Jaron Jackson and Justice Winslow's injuries? Y'all know any? I haven't seen uh-huh. one. I haven't seen any updates on Jaron and Justice. Uh, I'm saying because I don't remember giving timeline even when they actually had the injuries. They never said like they're gonna miss 
you know, be out three months or anything. Then I think the implication now is they should be good by the start date. Yeah, so it's a Jackson was a was a torn meniscus, meniscus. which is yeah. six to eight weeks on the recovery. He should, he should definitely be ready to roll. Mm. Justice was the heel, so that one. Now, Justice is just a different story with his hip. So, but yeah, I think Jaren should be good to go um, by yeah. 22nd. Uh, so, the NBA draft is coming up November 18th. So, by the time we record our next show, the draft will be done. Uh, but free agency should be starting. So, we'll be right in line. I know next time 3 D podcast record, Justin, shoot, the draft would be, depending on what day you record, the draft would be right there. It would be yep. going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. So, uh, first off, I just want to talk some greasy strategies. I think we have the number 40 pick. And I'm just going to be honest, I'm usually a big, huge college basketball head. Last season, it was terrible to watch. It was hard to watch the college basketball. Like, the quality of play was just bad to me. And so, like, I still had it on my TV, but I wasn't necessarily paying attention like I normally would in years past. So, players, especially, I would normally know all players in the draft. This year, I'm kind of I, – I, be uh, y'all articles that y'all been pushing out, Justin, all the blogs and everything. They have been very helpful on um, yes. me trying to see what players I would like to grease the draft. So the player I think I'm looking at that I think that would definitely be there that I'm seeing that I'm seeing a lot of like hype on very lately is Mason Jones from Arkansas. Um, other players I wanted originally were Peyton Pritchard from Oregon, uh, but some players you don't know if they're gonna be there at forty, like him. Cassius Winston, um, Isaiah Joe, like, I don't even know if they they are even going to be there at 40. I think Mason Jones is more likely to be there at 40 than those three. And I don't know any other players that y'all would like the Greases to take. I think Joe would be there at 40, potentially. Um, but I like I like those that you've mentioned with uh, Cassius Winston, um, Pritchard from uh, Oregon. Hearing a lot of uh, Jordan Norwell from Louisville um, as well uh, could be that tweener, but I'm not sure. If I'm having him on the floor, that means you're taking minutes away from Brandon Clark. So that's my only red flag with Jordan Norwell. And at this point in time, you'd much rather have BC on the floor, regardless if Norwell can shoot the ball or not. Uh, Also, I'm on the Mason Jones bandwagon as well. I think if he's there at 40, you can take him. also, like uh, Nico Mannion from Arizona, um, as a guy that could be a three and D guy. I mean, I know his numbers doesn't show that he's he's great as far as shooting a three. Um, he's not that great in pick and rolls or making moves off the dribble. So we can just bring him in, and Taylor Jenkins can kind of turn him into a three and D guy. Um, he could be excellent coming off the bench, spotting up, and he's already athletic as well. So that'll be a much needed bonus. So um, outside of the guys you name, I will go Nora and uh, Nico Mannion as potential others. Uh, but of course, there's you know red flags with those. It's red flags with everyone in this draft, pretty much. So especially the second round. So yeah, and Justin. Yeah, so for for Memphis, I think it comes down to identifying what the goal is for the next season. 
Um, are you making a playoff push or are you accepting the fact that the Warriors are going to be healthy again, the Blazers are going to be better, the Pelicans are going to be better, and you're probably going to be in the lottery next season. So if you're in the lottery next season, you're looking at pick number 40 as who's a guy that we can stash in the G League and let him get some run and get you know get better and do that. But if you're like, hey, we're going to make this push now, see what we can do, then you're looking for the guy like the Cassius Winston that can come in right away and contribute mm-hmm. to the team. Um, now, Mason Jones, I'm I'm in on as well, but I don't know if I'm in on him at 40 just yet. I think he's somebody that you buy back in later uh, if he's still sitting around in the 50s and snag him and he's your guy you stash down in the G League and, and let him get some run. Maybe even be your two-way guy because I think it's time to cut loose Yuta Watanabe. Um, yeah. I don't think he's a guy that's going to contribute to your NBA roster on a consistent basis. Um, I could see Conchar possibly getting signed to an actual NBA contract this season, if not being back on a two-way. So I think there's going to be one two-way spot left. My the two names that I like are Pritchard from Oregon, but I also like Grant Riller from the College of Charleston. Um, okay. Probably the, the the pure shooter in the draft, and we all know that's what Memphis has so always he, needed. Just, yes. it doesn't. Yes. I mean, we can't get one, and nope. outside of Mike Miller, <laughs> all we ever had was Mike Miller. Exactly. Um, so Grant Riller, but I keep seeing him starting to creep up on the boards. So he yeah. may not even be there at 40. Um, so if Isaiah Joe's hanging around, Cassius Winston's hanging around, Pritchard, if he's somehow still there, like any of those names I'm ready to jump on. Mason Jones, there'd have to be nobody else left. And we'd have to really be in love with him and have a great workout. Somebody that we've actually already interviewed that's an interesting um, player is Omar Yurtseven. From Georgetown, he started yeah. at North Carolina State. Um, SI just did a, a feature on him. He's played a lot of um, professional ball overseas too. So he's somebody that if you need a guy to come in right away, say you move Gorgie Dang and um, get off his contract, and you need that fourth big in your rotation, yeah, he's an interesting guy to look at right there at, at forty or later as well. So between Riller and and Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe, uh, Pritchard, and, and Yurt Seven, that's that's who I'm looking at in the second round. Okay. Make sure I keep that name in mind to check on them. Yeah, I need to check that SI article out and I'll be, because um, I've been doing, <laughs> to be honest, I've been doing draft research probably since, I don't know, July. Pretty wow. much just trying to get a, trying to get a feel of everyone of who Memphis could potentially take. So I'll definitely go back and check out this guy from Georgetown. To go off the reasons for a minute, just talking about the draft in general, let's talk about so, like you said, this draft is unpredictable. Who's going number one or whoever going number one, if that's even the best player. So, ask the question, who is the best player in the draft to you? I mean, as you said earlier, uh, with college basketball, it wasn't really the sports watching the standpoint. The game, the play was just not that great uh, this upcoming season. Uh, there's really no one that really stood out that much uh, one person in particular that I think kind of stood out the most out of everyone was uh, Avi Toppin from uh, Dayton. Uh, I feel that his skill set that he has currently definitely could translate uh, to the next level, to the NBA. Uh, seeing he's crazy athletic, shot the ball uh, pretty well, shot 70% from the field on average, uh, has nice touch around the rim, can score with his back to the basket. Uh, shown that he can shoot the three. He shot nearly 40%, but he's only was shooting, attempting three a game. So, uh, 
that is definitely going to determine how well he plays in the league. Uh, he's definitely he has a little bit of Carmelo potential. I wouldn't say Melo just yet. I think he's a little more of a Amari Stoudemire type of type of guy. If I was to throw a comparison out there, just based on his athleticism, his touch around the rim, being able to uh, being able to shoot a little bit, so. If I had to choose someone that was the best player in the draft, it would definitely be uh, Abi Toppin from Dayton. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Abi fan. Um, I, in the in the mock draft we did with Grizzly Bear Blues, um, I had Minnesota, and uh, I wanted to drop back to the three spot with Charlotte and take Abi there because we got D'Angelo Russell in Minnesota. I don't need Lamelo Ball. Um, I'm not a fan of Anthony Edwards' game. I got Cat. I don't need James Wiseman. So I can drop the three and get the guy that I want. I ended up with Edwards because I was at basketball practice and my clock ran out and I was auto-picked. <laughs> um, but I love Topin. If I if I had to go with somebody else, so number one on my big board is actually Killian Hayes, um, the, the point guard out of France. France, yeah. You got a six-five point guard, which is, you know, becoming more of a thing these days. Um He's going to be able to guard, you know, one through three uh, on the floor. And he, he just the way he plays the game is just is smooth. Um, he can shoot the ball. Um, my favorite thing about him, though, is, is his length. I know LaMelo Ball has a length, too, but dude's shot is so ugly. Um, I don't know who teaches the Ball family how to shoot, but every one of them just had <laughs> – <just laughs> the, I think the only one that has, like, the smoothest jump shot is LiAngelo. <laughs> yes. It, playing right now. <laughs> right. So. It, it is LiAngelo, but LiAngelo is just, like, nowhere near as athletic as, yeah, as yeah. Lonzo is. Lonzo or LaMelo, yes. Yeah, so um, – I'd have to go with Killian and then uh, Abby is my top two in the draft and who I think should go one, two in the draft. But that's not how it's going to play out. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it really the same with me. I like, um, to me, I'm a production type of guy. I'm not a potential. I don't, I, I hate potential. <laughs> I hate players getting selected. Every well, you might as well week. get used to that because that's yeah, what I know. the draft be, I know. Like, oh, I mean, it's, it's always been that way, and that's why the Grizz is a draft machine to be in. <laughs> like I've always let's, hated let's, it. Let's, let's 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 not go there. Not there. <laughs> I just say, man, like that's how stuff like that happens. Like I like, yeah. I like potential along with seeing something from the player, like you know, in college. So Obi Toppin, I know with him being older, that's why he's not going number one, um, because he was what, a junior. So he's 20, 21. He's 22 now. 22, so. see. So that that's exactly the reason why. But to me, he's the best player in the draft. Um, most potential in, in the draft. Um, I'd say I know the rest of the GBB family don't like <laughs> James Wiseman, but in my opinion, the most potential would be him to me. But even with him, I can say, depending on where he goes, I don't think he fits like in – I don't think he's the player that turns the franchise around. Put it that way. So that's on it. That's on the reason why. Yeah, he's a, yeah. James Wise is a guy that can come in and probably have an impact right away, but he's not a franchise guy. Like he's not going to yeah. turn your franchise around overnight. So, just, is there a franchise guy in this draft? Yeah, that's the thing. I like. I don't think I don't. That's think that's, that's the even <laughs> <laughs> I only think it's a franchise guy in this draft. So. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of is really tough, but the best player like coming in right now, yeah, over topping to in my opinion would be there. So we go to the next one, most overrated player in the draft, most overhyped. 
believe it or not, is Anthony Edwards. <laughs> in my opinion, uh, it's not. It has nothing to do with his ability uh, or anything of that nature. I just don't think that he is worthy of being a number one pick. Uh, he's shown great signs of what he can do at Georgia. He has great size at six five. You know, he's a stocky six five at that. Uh, what questions me about him is definitely his defense um, and his effort to really go out there and get after it. Uh, one of the things that I think that could actually help him going forward if he buys in to wanting to play defense, like he's shown capabilities of willing to sit down in a chair and lock up. And I think if he buys in completely to defense, he can lock up some ones and maybe some twos, but I'm just not seeing it right now from him. And also he needs to find another way to make an impact on the game because if there's games that he's had where if he's not cooking and he's not scoring, then you don't see him pretty much for the rest of the game. So, and there's a, if you look at his stat sheet from, from the season, he's either been really, really good or he's been really, really bad. And I just don't like all this hype that's being built around him. Like the athleticism and all that is, is there, but I just don't like all this hype being brought around him as the number one pick um, because it's setting him up for a huge failure. But I would love to be proved wrong. And I think one of the things that he can do primarily is if he buys in on defense and shows that he's willing to go out there and play defense, I think everything else that he has will fall into place. I just think if he commits to playing defense, he'll be fine. But as a number one pick, no. Yeah, so, like, would you be okay taking Marcus Smart number one overall in a draft? (laughs) There you go. There you go. There you go. That is that's so perfect. That is a perfect. That is a perfect. right there. That's who he is. Um, For for me, and I, I get a little bit of selfish joy out of what I'm about to say, because while born and raised in the Memphis area, I am not a Memphis Tigers basketball fan. I am an Ole Miss Rebel, and. I've seen it proudly. I've seen it on Twitter. So. <laughs> we are we are not we, – we'll be good at basketball this year. We haven't been in the yeah. past. Um, but I think James Wiseman is the most overrated player in this draft. Um, I had him 10th on my big board. Um, and part of it, I, I'm looking at it from a coach. This guy's quit on two teams. He quit on his first high school. And moved to Memphis, and then he quit on Memphis because he didn't get his way. Um, and it's not his fault what happened in Memphis. You, the fact that you're punishing a kid because somebody helped his family move is absolutely ridiculous. We all know the NCAA is a joke, um, but he could have stuck it out and been with his team, and he decided not to. Um, so I don't like the mentality that he has, um, and I just think. Bigs with his skill set are a dime a dozen in the NBA, and you can find somebody, um, a veteran, for cheap that's going to bring the same thing to the game that he's going to bring. I see James Wiseman, and I look and I see a Nerlens Noel or Willie Cauley Stein or Jalil Okafor, who had a big year this year um, and stretches for New Orleans. But I think that's his ceiling. I, I don't see much more than than those guys for him. Um, 
a Scalabissier, like those, like he just falls in those categories for me. Now he, he may come out there and prove me wrong completely and, and good for him and great for that kid. Um, but I think he's just overhyped, you know, and I, I'm tired of hearing the phrase unicorn. You're, you know, you're not, it was Christoph Porzingis. He was the original unicorn, but if you really want to go back, it's somebody probably like Larry Bird or Dirk. And then you leave it at that. But everybody just gets enamored with a seven footer that can move the way that he moves. That's all he can do to me. So it, it's Wiseman. Um, well, to piggyback on Wiseman, I knew we was going to get to this conversation. I agree and disagree with your point. You made some great points. That was a um, great point. I yeah, honestly, great the Nerlens Noel comparison, I can definitely see it for yeah. Wiseman. It's it's. Oof. I think the only thing I think you say you think that's a ceiling. I would say to me that's his floor to me. But like I said, I don't think he could be a tra- franchise changer. Um, I may be a little biased because I, not so much. I'm a Tigers, but I'm also a we we and Trevor are Tennessee Vols fans as well. So <laughs> similar to you with Ole Miss, but we like the Tigers as well. But with James Wiseman, I saw him. I watched. I used to go to East High School games and watch them in high school. So I'm probably a little biased towards that in that regard. Um, but I really think he's going to be very good. But I can give you that being same things Anthony Elvis being like number one pick. But in this draft, I don't know who's. <laughs> and it doesn't help his it doesn't help his case neither that he's come out and said that he doesn't want to play in Minnesota. So that is also perfect. I mean, I mean tr- granted, yeah, who does? But as a prospect, yeah, he sounds spoiled. Yeah. Y'all said yeah, as, a pro- as a prospect of yep. your stature, given your past history, mm-hmm. that's not something you want to say. Exactly. That goes back to Justice's point about him quitting like that. You make an next statement. Right. I'm like, bro, what, what you doing? So, a perfect fit for him would be Golden State. Golden State needs to take him at number two. That's a perfect fit. It per- works out for both Golden State and him. That'd be the best for his career. But um, most of rated player, in my opinion, would be same as Trevor's. Anthony Edwards, I was same as James Wiseman. I saw him in high school in a tournament that he came to in Memphis. He was very good. His team wasn't. So, I was very high on him. And, you know, going to the season, we think Greece was going to be good. We thought we were going to have a top two pick or whatever. I, I was all on Anthony Elvis until I saw him in Georgia. Now, of course, that saying he did go to Georgia, so he might be better than – I mean, he didn't go to, a, you know, a better school. So maybe he couldn't produce at the level that he was supposed to. But there's a lot of hype going on, and he didn't really – so is he is he overrated just because in this draft it's so weak and he's projected to be the best of a weak draft? Like if you put him in last year's draft or the year before draft and he's probably projected like between the nine and fourteen range. Yeah. Yes. That's probably where he belongs. That's right? where he belongs. Yep. Right. So we're looking so what we're saying is that this whole draft is weak. It's back end lottery guys at best. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. That's really what it is, because it's I mean, we all knew this coming too, even like last year when, because to me, as much as I did like Watson, I never thought he should be a number one pick in in the draft. Yeah, I, I say he was top five, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him. Yeah, so even there, it's like, so it was always perceived to be a weak draft coming in. So, uh, and I guess this would be hard, the hardest question, the most underrated player in the draft. <laughs> oh, man. This is a, this actually was a hard one. I thought about this even before we started the show. I mean, a lot of teams have 
spoke highly of him, but I don't think he's getting enough. And I watched like film on this guy today and the comparison that he got was actually perfect for him. And that's our very own Precious Achua. Um, I feel what he was able to do in Memphis, granted everything that had happened, how he was able to adjust his game um, on the fly, uh, played a huge role in Memphis finishing the season the way that they did. Um, as a guy that's still kind of learning the game a little bit, um, he looks like the, the the upside and the potential is there. Um, his comparison that I saw was uh, Jeremy Grant, um, who actually had a, a great, great season this past season for the Denver Nuggets. And I can definitely see that with Precious. Um, if he can just develop some form of a jump shot, maybe a corner three possibly, he could actually fit that mode of a Jeremy Grant, like a super athletic wing that can play – can play the three, can play the four, maybe some five if you want to particularly go really small. And uh, I just think once he learns that and just works on his footwork and learns how to work on his footwork in the pick and roll as well, uh, I think he's projected just to go outside the lottery, but also heard Boston taking him with that last pick. So wherever he ends up in that uh, post-lottery, late first round, I think is going to get a – a nice gem that they can work with with Precious. I don't see him contributing right away, but something that they can definitely work on and uh, stash away uh, moving forward. Yeah, I saw the uh, Celtics' uh, interest in Precious today, actually. Um, that would be an interesting fit for them uh, because they already have Robert Williams and Grant Williams. And Grant Williams as well, yeah. Uh, for me – I think somebody that should go higher than he's going to, and maybe somebody will see it the same way and take him higher is Isaac Okaro um, from oh, yes. Auburn. Auburn. Like he is that, uh, like if you were to define like and build a three and D player for the NBA, like it's Okaro. Um, and I think he's going to have a very, very good NBA career. If not end up being like top three, top four in this rookie class. Um being out there. And another one, two more that are overlooked, I think, that are – one of them starting to get a little bit more love is Azubuke from Kansas. He's starting to move up some boards. Um, but from what I, my understanding is, like, his his motor and his work ethic at Kansas was not great. Um, and, and that's why he's kind of low. But I think people are starting to see him in workouts and the dude can play. And one that I love late second round, and he's only late second round because he's a senior, is Marcus Howard from Marquette. Marquette. Um, yeah. The dude can straight up play ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I don't understand, like, look at Draymond Green and what he did when he came in as a, as a senior out of, out of college. Look at Brandon Clark coming in. Like, why are we continuing to throw these, these older guys into the back like that when they're the ones that are more ready for you to come in and produce? Like, yep. I think Marcus Howard should go higher than he's projected. Uh, and he may, he may not even go get drafted. And if he, do, if he doesn't, I think the Grizzlies would be smart to swipe him up, up for the hustle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> Man, you just spoke the name, Mouse Pal. I mean, with, uh, with Marcus Howard. Yeah, Marcus, so I was about Marcus to... Howard was my next one, but I, I didn't. I, I honestly thought someone, one of you guys, was going to take him, so that's why I'm precious. <laughs> well, you said Marcus Howard. You made me think of Mass Powell from uh, Seton Hall. Yeah, he can play too. Straight yes. looking good. Like also players that agree. I would love the Greases to take you know second round pick. Might as well take a flyer on a, a bona fide scorer, but um, most over, almost underrated player in the draft. <sighs> 
I would say because his draft stock has dropped since when he first came out of high school. RJ Hampton. I read uh, and the reports are he's worked on his shot. I think I'm out with Mike Miller. Yeah, exactly. With, so, yeah, with Mike Miller. So yeah, with that. That was kind of the question mark with him coming out of high school. It was he was a true point guard. He, you know, he can score, he can facilitate, but his shooting was spotty. So if he's really working on that jumper, he has the length to be a really good defender. I, I could see RJ Hampton being really good. I actually took him. I had the Spurs in our mock draft. I actually took him at pick number eleven, so, which is lower than he should go. Exactly. Lower, than, yeah, he's that, that's definitely low for him. So that's why I say he's underrated. Um, another player, he's dropped. Uh, he would have been overrated if he stayed up in the top four where he was before he started to play in North Carolina. Cole Anthony. I just believe, like, you pick him at, like, a 20 or something. That's a – that could be a steal. That could be a player that could just – because I don't yeah. know, like, why did his – why did his stock, like, truly drop? Was it his attitude? Was it just a it's, – It's a lot of what's come out about Cole Anthony has been mostly his attitude. Um, I really haven't really seen anything much else. I know he had an injury uh, during his yeah. uh, long season at North Carolina, but mostly it's been it's just been his attitude. Um, I think that's probably the only reason I can see it because I'm looking at uh, NBA Draft.net's most recent mock draft, and they haven't fallen down to 21 to Philly right now. Yeah, so he dropped and, that low. Yeah, <laughs> and as you mentioned with RJ Hampton, they have him um, two picks just ahead wow. um, on the Brooklyn. So that's, that's crazy. Gosh, could you imagine Hampton going to Brooklyn with that team? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I say you might get some bargains in this draft now in, in the middle picks. So that's wild. Yeah, wow. Oh, well, man. So that wraps up the show, man. Uh, once again, thank you, Justin, uh, for coming on. Had fun on the 3D podcast. I figured, man, I had to bring you on here. We've been thinking about bringing you on for a while. So next time you guys do something like an all time draft, I want to come on as well. Cause that was fun. <laughs> that sounded like I had a great time with their side. Yeah, I got you, man. All right. Thanks. Fun. All right. Just remember, man, I'm the one P Shark on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at the Art of Trevor. Um, first letter, each word is capitalized except of because it's a preposition, as I tell my folks. <laughs> and you can find me at uh, J underscore Timberfake underscore. And also remember to follow us at Starting Five, the number five MEM, Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies, and listen to the other podcast network. Um, listen to the other podcast on the network as well, as I mentioned earlier with Justin's 3D podcast, got the Core Four podcast, and GBB Live. But until next time. Mm-hmm.